Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast. My name is Scott LeMay, and I'm an account executive here at Axia. Joining me from Axia is also Yassine, who's our COO. Hello. And today we have a, a guest joining us from Steelhead Technologies um, out of Michigan. Very happy to speak with Dean, who is the co-founder and head of sales um, at Steelhead about digital transformation and automation in the manufacturing industry. So, Dean, welcome, uh, welcome to the podcast, and I'd love an introduction from yourself. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Yassine, for having me on. I've seen you guys on LinkedIn and really respect your guys' work in this space. So it's an honor to be here. An introduction to myself in general. So I mean, we're a couple years into Steelhead. I'm a co-founder of Steelhead, and it's been, I mean, my background's in mechanical engineering, and largely our team is um, based out of uh, Michigan and Minnesota, a lot of mechanical engineers. And we're pretty excited to apply like the data-driven podcast that is what Steelhead serves to our customers. It's serving data in a very user-friendly manner to facilitate better decisions quicker. Fantastic, and thank you for the introduction. Maybe uh, we can dive in a little bit deeper into what exactly Steelhead technology does, if you can provide us uh, an overview there. Yes, so Steelhead Technologies, our mission is to elevate manufacturing job shops. So what is a manufacturing job shop? It is a typically um, a company that doesn't own any IP, right? They don't develop their own products. They are essentially fulfilling a service to support a larger entity or someone that does build their own product. So typically for Steelhead, what we focus on is the metal finishing job shops. And that sector of the market is uh, one that's in a lot of pain. And we see a lot of opportunity for improvement. And what we do for those companies is we help the first digitize the plant and then automate a lot of the key functionality around order entry, creating quotes, scheduling out the facility, um, running the jobs through production, and then also optimize them. So once we have the plant digital and a lot of the functions automated, we can then look at the high level reports to figure out from a profitability perspective, from a quality perspective, from an on-time delivery perspective, where the plant is winning and where the plant is losing. I've seen a lot of instances where the the company that was there for a long time, a job shop, um, was let's uh, say quitting on certain jobs and all this stuff. Uh, but when we were looking actually at the data um, aggregated with like the market and stuff, um, it was clear that this company should not be in this sector. But uh, it came as a surprise for them because they didn't see the data. So in your case, it's perfect because you're taking like all of this information that is being generated on the shop and then you're able to surface it and, and, and critically look at it and say like, well, if you want to have a good business, you should be doing this and that, I think. Um, I find this uh, uh, very, very fitting for where the, the market is right now. It's precisely correct. You're saying, I'd say just to go a little off that is most people don't have it. Like you, we mentioned before the call, you had a, a big uh, customer running on Excel. Those are our customers as well. So Excel, generic software, old ERPs, homemade, like Microsoft Access-based systems. I mean, they're, they're functional. Um, because you can do a lot of things with time and talent, um, you know, figuring out, entering orders, scheduling, but it's actually very inefficient. So typically, if you have like a, you know, if you're quoting in Excel, 
and copying it into Microsoft Word to make your edits, putting it into a PDF, and then emailing it to a customer. Just those four steps, just for a quote. I mean, it's very inefficient. And then you have to enter it into the system and run it through production, and it becomes a very laborious process to run a job through the shop. Yeah, and uh, okay, after that, we're gonna go back on track, Scott. But it doesn't take a lot to um, uh, uh, develop by mistake a critical component for your shop that okay. is now not maintained. You just need one person to kind of engineer with like whatever you have, something a bit more complicated that does the job well, and then that have that person leave to have everybody else that come in not understand that system and how to edit it. And then you have this thing that is mission critical sitting in the middle of everything. Um, and now nobody wants to touch this thing. You're rate limited by this. Um, I've seen this happen quite, quite a lot, like legacy home-baked technology. You cannot have a worse mix in uh, something as fast-paced as a, as a, a, a manufacturing plant. Agreed. Absolutely. Um, I want to draw attention to something for a second, which is the the logo you've got behind you. So Steelhead is is a great name. It draws my attention in, and I wanted to to talk about branding for a minute. So as we can see behind you, um, I noticed your logo looks a, a lot like a fish head, um, and your newsletter is also called the Weekly Catch. So from from what I understand, uh, you seem to be an avid fly fisher, and I'm curious to know how did this this fly fishing passion perhaps um, impact some of your business branding for Steelhead? Yeah, have you are you guys fly fishers at all? So I'm uh, I'm up in Canada, and there's a lot of great lakes around where I am. So not a fly fisher, but definitely get out of the water uh, every once in a while for some fishing. Yeah, yeah. my kids love fishing more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it is named after, and a lot of our team is fly fishermen. So like the steelhead in our area, in my opinion, at least, it's like the prized fish, right? And obviously we're in a manufacturing plant, metal finishing type industry where everything's largely steel. So that's kind of where like the two, you know, passions collide in terms of we're pretty obsessed about this industry at this point and also love to fly fish. I mean, that's like the, as work gets more and more busy and family life gets more and more busy, it's like you have, your hobbies get trimmed down, right? When you're younger, there's so much time for free hobbies. And now it's like, you kind of got to pick and choose. And for me, it's hunting and fishing. And when it comes to fishing, it's steelhead fishing. And yeah, so that was kind of like where the name, I think it was actually Mark, our CTO, came up with the name. And it's nice to have a two-syllable name like Axia, Twitter, or Netflix, you know, yeah. Netflix. Um, it's easier just to, uh, you know, uh, for name recognition purposes. So that's how we thought of the name. And then the logo, if you see the logo, it's actually like an S and a T for steelhead technologies and a fish. And our, actually my roommate at the time was a graphic designer. His name's Pavo Heltonen. And he built the logo in like a night. And he does work for like Polaris and a lot of Fortune 100 companies. And yeah, happens to be my roommate, happens to be a great guy and spun up a logo overnight and we, we loved it. So from then it's been, uh, yeah, it is kind of fishing. Our brand is sort of, you know, fishing related as a result of that. Um, kind of a play on words are, our marketing lady Chantel is phenomenal, and she kind of runs with that, runs with that to, with that to a great degree. Yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic logo, and uh, I'm curious have you have you had the chance to come up to Canada yet to uh, to do a little bit of fly fishing? Not yet, no. So we do have. I mean, we're two and a half years into this into this venture, 
um, Steelhead, and most of our customers are in the U.S. And but we do have some actually in Ontario, and that would that be that would be awesome. So yeah, hopefully someday in the future, one of our great customers will invite us over there for not a work trip, but a but a but a you know um, a fishing trip. Yeah, you're you're welcome anytime. Just let us know, and we'll uh, we'd love to host you. Um, no. And 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 one more comment on the branding. It seems like your branding also illustrates, you know, your understanding of the folks you work with, and is a good differentiator for Steelhead. Um, I can definitely tell you care about your customers. And something I've actually seen you write online is that you don't you don't really work for Steelhead. Um, what did you mean by that? Yeah. So I when I think when a lot of young people, or at least myself, and a lot of the co-founders on our team think about like what do you want to do in the future like i my background's at general motors and then worked at boston scientific here in minnesota and i think it's always a dream or at least the american dream to go build a company right work for yourself don't work for the man type of thing but one thing i realized is you never really work for yourself it feels like and actually your customers become your boss and especially in the early days when you only have a handful of customers it's like when they say to jump you jump, right? If they say we need to, be, we need to hear on Monday. You're there on Monday, figuring it out and solving the problem. So, I think that is something that we carry not only myself, but as a greater team that like the customer service has to be perfect because how we react right now to our customers' like uh, requests for changes or ideas for the future is going to shape our future. And right now, we're you know we're finding our way. But a slight degree, a slight change right now is going to have a big impact in 10 years. Yeah, and it's such, a, it's such an important uh, trait to have um, when uh, the customer base uh, cannot articulate exactly what they want technologically, right? right. right. In, some, in some space, they can actually do that because let's say you're doing some dev tech type of thing and you're selling to developer, your developer is selling to them. Like it's 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 kind of fine. Uh, but like in, in this specific context where you have to rehaul uh, the technological infrastructure of a company that has no idea really like how to go about it and what, what each of the tech uh, uh, are implemented, being able to listen closely about their pain, their need, and then articulate that into something that you can then propose and uh, show the, the value, um, it's absolutely crucial in this space. Yeah. And I would say our, that's been, that's what shaped our products to what it is today. So Steelhead is a, it is a digital reality of our customers' ideas. Now they will say something like, you know, this is painful, right? Like this order entry in Steelhead is painful. And then we have to ask why, 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 how does this work? How does that work? How does this work? And kind of boil it down to like the physics of what they actually mean. And then go to our developers and say, hey, this is what the customer physically needs based on their reality. And the developers bring it home. So I think we have had a great success um, listening to the customers, like you said, you've seen, and then focusing on the physics of what needs to be fixed. Love it. Absolutely, and I think the the customer centric mindset is is fantastic. Obviously, you're you're growing quickly, so Steelhead is definitely doing something right. Um, for the folks that you do help out, can you kind of outline what the current state of digital transformation looks like in the industries they work in? 
Yeah, are you saying the current state, like pre or post uh, coming to Steelhead? Current as let's let's say pre coming to Steelhead. What kind of uh, what kind mm -hmm. of processes are they using, and how are you able to augment and strengthen those processes? Yeah, I'd say the number one, the number one thing they're using is I actually had a customer in Wisconsin say this. They have like 150 people in their in their shop, and they said, Dean. We are running our, you know, typical sales process is like, you know, what do you guys use today? And he's like, Dean, we are running our plant on sneaker, sneaker wear. I'm like, what is, you know, what is sneaker wear? I haven't heard of it. And he's like, well, if I need to find out an answer, I tie my sneakers and I go jog out to the facility and find the solution. <laughs> and I would say that is, that, that is uh, the operating system number one, because most plants are running paperwork, right? Paperwork through the shop. And paperwork's not digital. And to find a paper solution, you have to go find the paper or go find the parts or go find the job. And that is extremely, I know you guys have probably seen, I've seen your, your content saying that there's like a labor shortage, right? Everyone's short on labor and running around the plant that's 200,000 square feet looking for parts that takes labor. And the majority of our customers, the biggest hit to their P&L is labor. So what we do at Steelhead is just bring it digital Add in a global search, just like Google, type in the search and go find the parts in seconds. Go find the paperwork, go find the, the job status, the quote status, the invoice status in, in a matter of seconds to speed up that process. Because yeah, most, it doesn't really matter what system they're running today. Typically there's some level of digital system in the office and then paper in the plants. And with Steelhead, we bring it all digital to tie it all together. Love it. And, and obviously, once everything's been digitized, the reporting that that unlocks is it provides a lot of value to customers um, in terms of KPIs, because obviously right now um, it's about what is the business challenge and what are they looking to track? And then Steelhead could come in and, and support that. What are some of the important KPIs that that you're helping your customers meet? Yeah, it's an interesting one. Uh, we love KPIs, obviously, and it's really something that we can serve that they don't have before. And it's always curious when we bring on a new customer what their KPIs are. And I can tell you they're all they're not always the same. A typical one is obviously lead time. Like we talk to a lot of our customers' customers. So when you mentioned earlier, like we try to deeply understand our customers' use case, uh, we go a step further and actually talk to their end, their end customers to figure out what they care about. Because if we can help satisfy two chains down, well then we help our customers win. And if our customers win, we win. So it's like the old saying, the rising tide lifts all boats. That's what we believe. And the number one KPI I can tell you for our customers' customer is lead time. So I know when you guys are talking to those, you guys are talking to, you guys actually probably work with our customers' customers. Lead time is critical, right? You have million dollar projects getting held up by a hundred thousand or like a $1,000, you know, coding. That's a problem, right? And we need to find a way to solve that problem. So lead time is key. Profit margins are key. Like most people, I'll give you an example. The reason why we're so heavy in metal finishing is because it's a high job count, low mix environment. And what that means is there's a lot of job to job variability and it's not high volumes, right? There's no Coca-Cola cans going out the same can all day. It's like, we're doing a part for Boeing. We're doing a part for, you know, whatever, Bombardier or Lockheed Martin and then John Deere and then whatever. So there's so much mix it becomes very hard to track the cost to execute each job 
across like the 10 work centers. So typically we'll see in a plant about nine to nine and a half people touch a job from door to door. And now that means there's like nine little micro tasks that need to be tracked from a costing perspective. And in a, in a plant that has 100 people, they're doing 100 jobs per day. So it's like 900 little micro tasks that need to be tracked from a costing perspective. And it's gotta be super easy. Cause like I mentioned, labor is the most important thing. So things gotta go fast. And that is what Sealhead really unlocks is that ability to get that job cost data. So the profitability, I would say is the number one KPI. Lead time's probably number two. And then from there, it's a, it's a little, I mean, people are looking at quote turnaround times, they're looking at win rates, sales cycles, they're looking at capacity, they're looking at percent utilization. Like we predicted X to happen. We scheduled Y to happen, but Z happened, right? And Z could be way up or way down. And having that feedback loop to say, why is something good or bad from a quality perspective, from a performance perspective or a profitability perspective is really a competitive edge. Yeah, yeah, totally agree here. And um, uh, I, I don't know how you're, you're tracking the KPI, but I can guarantee that you have granular, granularity mm -hmm. uh, here. And this thing, the, the, the being able to be granular on let's say the lead time. And like, like you said, there's like nine people touching the stuff Okay, but like, where is my lead time being held up into right. that nine chunks? And for this job, is it a fluke? And then this person just was uh, too, uh, too tired this day or whatever, or it's like, this is, there's a specific problem in here. And if we improve this, for sure, we're gonna improve the total lead time. Um, same thing happened on our case when we, uh, we we digitalized the whole process and then we're actually like, just looked at the data. We're not expert in, uh, right. I don't know, aerospace, automotive and mining, whatever. Like the, the customer are usually the expert. Right. Um, but when we look at the data, we're like, oh, this is a big number and it doesn't look like really normal. If I had to pick one, I will improve that number. And then they look at it and like, yes, let's do that. Let's do that thing. So uh, yeah, granularity is super, super important. And I believe that's what your your software is able to provide directly on the on the shop floor. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I like I emphasize your statement of we're not experts in their process, right? They they're the experts in what's going in and out of the line. Like what the line does, I have no clue, right? They could be doing a finish, they could be doing like a certain chemistry, they could be doing a coding type, and the chemistry is like boom over my head. But what I do know is it went in at 8 a.m., it came out at 9 a.m., and we thought it would come out at you know 8.30, but it came out at 9. So that's a problem, right? So that is something I do know, and, it's, and it is super cool to work with these people and show these plant owners the data that hasn't had it for nine years. And now they're making pricing adjustments, they're making staffing adjustments based on data that they never had, and then seeing them grow. So that's the most satisfying part of it. I mean, obviously, uh, growing a team and growing a company is satisfying. But when your customers look you in the eye and say, Dean, this is worth, like there's one in Minnesota said, this is worth a million bucks to me because of the margins, their net margin just going up. Now they're hiring people and, and just, uh, yeah, it's very satisfying. That's, that's awesome. And uh, my original question was on KPIs and obviously Steelhead is providing visibility. You're allowing your customers to track these KPIs. You can make a KPI out of pretty much anything, obviously. And I, I noticed a KPI that, that caught my attention was scrolling through your website or perhaps social media, which was FPH. K 
can you kind of uh, dive into that a little bit? Is this an important one to track? Um, okay, okay. Can you provide <laughs> a little more context, Scott? Is that fish per hour? That's that's what uh, I was referring to. It made me laugh. Oh, I thought that yeah. was a great example of uh, you know truly hold with uh, upholding your brand, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fish <laughs> per hour is critical on the weekend. So I don't know if you guys are doing any fishing this weekend. I hope to. And yeah, that'll be one we track on Saturdays and Sundays for sure. Love it, love it. That's awesome. Um, so at Steelhead, your your mission, from what I understand, is to be the the operating system for job shops, and you've obviously done a great job providing us insight on that here. Um, beyond that, can you provide some insight into the values that Steelhead holds? Um, you know, what would make a great team member at at Steelhead? Who are you bringing onto the team? That's a great question. So as we are scaling now, we're starting to find like our little niche in the industry, and I think the overarching theme for a steelhead employee is we have found a lot of success bringing on younger talent to people uh, just out of high school and i think the reason is is it's it resonates the the mission and the vision resonates they have a chance to when you come to steelhead really change and have a lot of power actually because at steelhead i mean maybe we're biased right but we think our our software is having a huge impact on our customers and we can take a, a mechanical engineer straight out, of, straight out of college, train them on steelhead in 30 days, and now they're going into these 50, 150, 200 headcount job shops and kind of rechanging or reconfiguring the controls on which their business runs. So what does it take for that to happen? I would say in general, you have to be extremely confident, right? And you have to be pretty intelligent to learn the software. But I think above all, just having a, being a good team member and I'd say the overarching quality is when push comes to shove, you have to be dealing, willing to do what it takes to, to get the job done. I mean, there's been some stories of like, there's a Mike Johnson, he's a deployment engineer on our team. He worked, he's down in Tennessee and a big, big deployment for us. And he's new to the team, relatively new. And there's a mass data import that wasn't working properly. So Mike worked through the night, like, like, like from he left the plant at five, Worked till seven the next morning, and then by you know by the time he walked in at eight a.m., the data import was done. So I have that type of person, it's a special type of person, right? That does that. And there's stories of a lot of people on our team doing that level of like doing whatever it takes mentality for the customer. That really, in the long run, I think rubs off on people and rubs off on our customers. And everyone seems to be uh, pulling in the same direction. Yeah, seems like it's uh, this entrepreneurial energy. Yeah, uh, yeah. This, this little fire. A little fire, yeah, for sure. And and the whole team shares it, which makes it such a fun place to work. Because if you like, we use Slack internally, and there's just a lot of you know energy going through Slack and through our team meetings and uh, with our customer meetings as well. So it's been so fun to work with. Great, uh, great response. And you know, we've we've got Yasin as well, who's another co-founder, and I'm privileged enough to have joined the team. Yasin, just on values, anything to add in terms of what you looked at when you were building Axia and, and the values you wanted to, to uphold? Yeah, well, um, uh, Dina uh, is spot on here. Like, uh, if you if you boil it down to, um, it's really, for me, it's really like the, that entrepreneur fire that like, mm -hmm. I'll figure it out. Like, uh, we have to do this, okay, cool. And then we are gonna change this industry and we're gonna change how this customer operate. Cool. And if there's issue along the way, because there's always are issues, um, 
they they need to be thriving in an environment like this and wanting to actually get to that finish line, whatever it takes, whatever they have to learn in between. Um, and this is what makes it fun, honestly. It's like right. you can it's like you can play around with this, grow, learn, and have a, a immense amount of uh, impact and uh, ownership on your stuff. That's the best person to have on your team. Absolutely. Yeah. Ownership. I second the ownership part. That that is so key. Absolutely. Seems like you you've got a great team, and uh, you know same thing over uh, at Axia here. Everyone's got to pull their weight. We're all wearing many different hats, but I think that shared purpose and what we're trying to achieve within the manufacturing industry really uh really pushes us all forward. Um, on on your side, so Steelhead is is built to make job shops easy to run, manage, and grow. I imagine that beyond just providing that software. Um, you're also providing a full partnership experience, I would imagine. What can Steelhead customers expect to get beyond just the, the software? Yeah, I'd say that it's the software. I mean, uh, what we do is software as a service, right? So the software is a part of it, um, but the service is a huge part of it. So when you buy Steelhead, you're buying the ones and zeros at the end of the day. But what you buy on top of it is the people. And like, like I mentioned, like that story about Mike Johnson, like these people are like, this is all we do, right? We, we help these job shops run more efficiently for more profitability and, you know, deliver more parts on time. So when you buy a steelhead, that's what you got. You got 30, just over 30 people now uh, pulling for you. And when you call a customer service, like they are going to respond in under eight minutes. So I think that is so critical to our to our vested success as a company. Um, but also we have quite a few plants on Steelhead now. So you're also gonna have our consult on, you guys are doing this today. Here's how you quote a job. Here's how you schedule your plant. Here's your target margin. Here's your target lead time. Here's your target quote time. Like all of these best practices, we actually um, authored a book called the Job Shop Playbook. And it's for sale on Amazon. And what you can read and what you can expect there is to get a, like a list of best practices across each function of your enterprise in a job shop to, I don't want to say guarantee, but almost guarantee success. And it's not easy. Like what the, the job shop playbooks written in a way where if you do it, you'll be an elite job shop in the, in the industry. But that is part of the service we offer to our customers because to be clear, our customers pay us monthly. So if we're not delivering month in, month out, they're going to leave. Now we haven't had one leave, and the reason is we, so far we've been, we've been delivering. But um, also, if if they suffer, we suffer, right? So if they go out of business, so we're working day and night to double our customers. I, I love, I absolutely love the amount of uh, uh, ownership you're taking on this. It's not just like, hey, I have a five-year contract; it's fine. It's like mm -hmm. month in, month out, we deliver value uh, every time, value over value. Absolutely love that. Agreed. And I think the the job shop playbook is a fantastic resource and it's up there for people to go in, and download and check out for themselves. But maybe Dean, could you provide a few uh, insights or, or uh, you know, highlights from that playbook for the audience here? Yeah, so I think, uh, I mean- Without I'm, giving uh, away, you know, everything, obviously we want them to take a look at the resource, but- <laughs> Yeah, so I think the, the biggest thing is it's it's actually not too crazy. Um, the the biggest thing is just the fundamentals of business, right? Where business ex businesses exist to turn a profit, 
So when it comes to turning a profit, how does that actually work, right? Um, well, first, maybe we got to start on the marketing side because most of these companies, most of our customers at least, don't go to like, they don't have MBAs. They don't have almost even any college experience sometimes, right? So there are sometimes it's like family run or they start a shop of their own and they know someone that, you know, has a need in the area. So maybe they have high school educations in some cases. So what we start is we start with marketing. Find your ICP, find a good customer. What does it mean? What does a good customer mean? How do you target them? Do you have account-based marketing? Do you do direct sales outreach? And then eventually you get a quote. What do you do with it? How do you quote a job? In this industry, what is a what does a fair quote look like? And how quickly should you turn it around and send it back to the customer if you expect to win it? And then once you win the quote in, how do you schedule your shop, right? I mean, you have capacities, maybe the ability to expedite, and how should you break down your, the, because essentially you're selling capacity and a lot of our customers are extended service of their end customer and they have to find a way to monetize that capacity. So it really is a holistic look from, from marketing um, all the way through eventually billing and kind of gives, a, I guess, tips along the way. Like one, for example, th these are coming from our customers, right? These aren't our ideas. I mean, we have some ideas in there, but largely it's a, a combination of all the best practices from all of our customers. And one of them is like a two-hour turnaround on quoting. So if you guys have seen any data out there on, you know, what it takes to win a job, I think that there's a stat out there that says 80% of the time, the first quote wins. So even if you are a little higher priced, like in this industry, it's a low margin industry. And typically 10% up to 20% margin, net margin. So if you can come in at, you know, 25, but you're the first quote in, I mean, hey, now now you have a healthy 5% increase on your on your competition. Now you can scale, now you can hire better people. Now you can, you know, hire more people. And it really unlocks the rest of the organization organization to have success yeah i can second that like uh, we've seen it in the data like the these high energy uh job shop where like uh, you send an rfq and then within within an hour you have a you have a response or like they are they're the first by far uh, it do send other signal that they are actively wanting to work with you Mm -hmm. um, versus others that are kind of lagging and then you have to ping them and and all of this um so yeah it's uh, we're, we're also seeing it in the data on our end cool yeah i'd love to see the data you guys probably have a lot of data on that side and that'd be cool to see and probably it shows some competence as well right if if you send out a request for a quote and it takes a day or two and you need to call them and you know hey where's my you know versus you send a request and bang you get it back right away it's like, wow, these guys are on top of their stuff. You hit the nail on the head, exactly. And and data is fundamental to everything we do here at, uh, at Axiom. Providing that information to our customers, just as you do at Steelhead, allows them to make those those better business decisions, right? And, and mitigate some of their risk. Um, those are great insights from the job shop playbook, uh, Dean. Everyone who's listening, encourage you to go out and take a look. Uh, you'll, you'll be able to up your game for sure. Um, in terms of the the stage that Steelhead's at, obviously Axie is very similar. We're new companies. We're trying to uh, disrupt the supply chain industry, provide new tools for manufacturing companies and job shops. Um, on the business side, Dean, what are some some business lessons you've learned along the way growing Steelhead, and and maybe how have some of these lessons 
um, contributed to a better experience for your customers? Yeah, I'd say in the first, I mean, the founding conversation actually came from a shop in Ontario. So it was a metal finisher in Ontario is how, that's how this whole thing started. And the one thing we did is what Yassine mentioned earlier is just listen. So we, we were doing like hardware, we were doing like automated chemical processing lines before. And it was, it was you know, having moderate success. And then this customer in Ontario was like, we need a way in this industry, there's nothing that exists. And they just ranted for an hour on, on the problem of what Steelhead has built to solve and digitizing and streamlining this, uh, this high mix, low volume environment. And all we did was just listen and take notes. And I would say that has been the, I mean, the fact that our predecessors, we have competition, right? There's probably 10, 15 competitors out there that are loosely in the same market as us. And the fact that they didn't listen to our customers and recognize how much of a pain they're in is the whole reason why we exist. So I'd say listening to the customers, like I couldn't stress enough how important that is, not only from when we started, but all along the way, because we've made a thousand product decisions ever since our, our start a year and a half ago or two and a half years ago. And that's been the biggest one. Uh, another learning experience on the business side, I would say is probably, I mean, in the early days, you have to, for, for venture capitalists, right, put up some numbers from a revenue perspective. And sometimes you can get a little um, distracted maybe by the number itself and not just getting a killer product. And our venture capitalists actually is like TIA Ventures and C2V Ventures, our phenomenal advisors. They were actually focusing us on, focus on the product, 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 product before going to scale it. Because once you have a product that people just kill for, then then you go turn on the gas on scaling. So I think in some earlier scenarios, maybe we, yeah, got a little distracted on you know monetizing or extracting the most revenue out or you know deploying speed. Like why does it take two months to deploy a customer when we should be you know our CAC has to be better or our acquisition onboarding experience can be better. To not be so distracted on that, focus on the product first and then work to scale a business second. And now we're kind of tipping into that scaling um, stage ever since like the summer is really more starting to really scale up. Cool, cool. And, you know, talking about scaling up, it sounds like the, the product's there and you're providing fantastic value. Um, in terms of new markets, do you believe there's any global markets out there that could benefit from Steelhead's product or if not globally, what uh, what U.S. states would you love to be present in present in that you're currently not doing business in? Obviously, before you arrive in Canada at some point. <laughs> yeah, no, Canada's on our hit list for sure. So in the U.S., we're largely in the Midwest. I mean, we have a lot of traction uh, in the Midwest because that's where our team is focused. We do see, um, I mean, we have customers in probably 30 states at this point, and uh, Canada as well, Ontario, and working on a few in Alberta. So we're, we're getting into Canada, um, but not deep there. So as far as like our long-term vision, it's the U.S. first, it's Canada second. Um, as far as like hiring people, like we need to hire probably salespeople in Ontario pretty quickly. And then after that, on an international scale, Mexico, we have some customers that have like plants in Mexico. So it's probably natural that we'll be there just by kind of organically um, in the short term. 
but but Europe is a big focus. So typically, what steelhead is really doing is speeding up these plants and solving the labor problem, right? Or streamlining the high labor problem and allowing the current people to be maybe more effective. And where labor is expensive is where steelhead is very valuable. So Europe um, would be a natural second, or I guess once you go across the pond, probably Europe next. And from there, who knows? I mean, Asia, I don't know. The, the possibilities are, are endless. Love it, right. love it. And uh, hopefully we'll see you in, uh, in Canada soon, as, as mentioned. Um, you mentioned the, the labor issue. And yes, this is something that I know you've talked about a lot on this podcast. Anything you wanted to, to add on to that on the labor uh, topic? Uh, me or Dean? Sorry, Yassine. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was about to say something, and I think you saw it in my eyes. Because, <laughs> um, um, yeah, I've met a lot of uh, manufacturers here in, in Ontario and in Quebec, um, and um, uh, they are literally scrambling to uh, uh, fix that problem. Because um, when you don't have any processes in place, no digitalization, it's like sneak aware, like you said, um, the only way to scale your business is very simple. Is like you need to hire more people and then you can run your ops and then do that. Um, so that's kind of what it is, right? But if you can find, and if like the, there's labor shortage and it's harder to, to uh, hire more people, it means that you're, you're capped, right? It mm -hmm. would not be a problem if there was not that much job to begin with. But what we've seen is that because of the disruption and whatnot, there's a big, big tendency from like uh, anything manufacturing related, uh, hardware related to favor uh, localization first and foremost. Um, so like even if like uh, the, the manufacturer is not the most um, cost effective, whatnot, if they are responsive and if they are near, it's oh, a yeah. big, big plus. But then yes. what I have here is like a supply of job, right? But a shortage of capacity because that's how you scale it you scale it with like people but now if you are able to figure this point and then to reduce the need for human to increase your capacity and let's say for the same amount of people you are twice as more um effective and then you can run and optimize your shop like that it's a big big uh, advantage because literally there's there's jobs everywhere you just need to be able to absorb them when when they come and then uh, you're good to go mm -hmm. um so this is why i think you uh, we're, we're you're seeing a such a rapid scale uh, i can confirm like that's that's actually what's happening like uh, automatization i've seen like robots i've seen like people bringing uh immigrant trying to lure, lure, lure people in uh in with internship by uh uh improving the uh, the the shop and whatnot uh, but it's very, very hard to get uh, people in. It's like automatization and improving the uh, the operation. That's 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 the name of the game. Agreed. Hundred um, percent. We got a, a few more minutes here, Dean. So to start kind of wrapping things up, you've done a great job getting Steelhead to this point. So congratulations for all the success so far. Looking forward, what's your your long term vision for Steelhead in the coming years? Yeah, from a long-term vision perspective, I'd say the future is a little unknown, but we're like we truly believe we're at the tip of the iceberg in terms of in our industry, in terms of market penetration, and even in terms of total value we can deliver to the customer. 
So we want to go deeper into our customers today, but also go deeper into the market, right? So we only have a fraction of the market today. And we strongly believe that we can get to a pretty deep uh, level of penetration into our local market, into Canada. And that's like our next five-year plan. And as far as post five years, I mean, there's some tangential industries like um, machining and fabrication that once we get there, we could maybe entertain. But right now we're pretty focused on the metal finishing because it's been so, I guess, so ripe for the picking. And we've seen so much uh, traction there. It's hard to, hard to ignore it. But yeah, I'd say that the five-year plan is, I mean, we want to to run the metal finishing industry. And what that takes is it's probably 100 to 150 people. And it's probably, yeah, US and Canada. That's that's our five-year plan. I, I absolutely love the focus. It's, uh, it's yeah. refreshing to see. Love it. Yeah, and, and it shows, you know, the commitment to your current customers. You found your niche, you know where to uh, provide the most value. So continuing on that path is is, is awesome. Looking forward to seeing, you know, where Steelhead gets in the coming years. And and Dean, again, to wrap things up here, uh, thank you for the insights you've brought to the Data Driven pod Podcast. Um, Yasin, anything to to add before we let Dean have the, the final word? That was awesome. <laughs> That's all I had to say. <laughs> okay. I would like to hear a little more from you guys, too. I'd say just to wrap things up from our side. I mean, we mentioned KPIs, right, all day. Yep. Like, uh, you know, profitability, whip rate, you know work in progress or lead times. But we just had a customer in Milwaukee. Um, his name's Daniel. He's this phenomenal guy, ex-military. He bought this company at four people. Now he's got 20 people and he's looking to go to 160. And his biggest takeaway after a few months of using Steelhead, he's like, um, wasn't actually any of the KPIs. Shocking, right? Because we sell data, right? And like, you know, why are, you know, uh, what was your feedback? And he says, well, the biggest thing is now, I used to send all my invoices on Saturday. I'd catch up. And now because invoicing and everything's so streamlined, he's like, I'm home on Saturdays. And my wife loves to have me with the family. You know, he's got a couple of kids home on Saturdays. So sometimes it isn't even the KPIs. It's just improving our customers' lives, yeah. which is uh, which is also pretty satisfying. Yeah, definitely. You know, every, everyone's got their life outside of work. And I think that's, Truly, the benefit and the value that uh, that we're bringing to some of these folks, um, mm -hmm. Dean. Any any uh, any last things that we haven't covered today that you might want to get out there? Anything else you want the world audience to know about about Steelhead, if if anything? Yeah, I'd say uh, if you're a metal finishing job shop and you're curious about it, maybe a better way to run the plant, our our uh, contact info is www.gosteelhead.com. We can definitely help you out with showing you what life could be like. And in the future, I mean, we would like to talk to you guys, actually, Yassine and Scott, about potentially working together. Because I think what you guys are doing and what we're doing, I think there's a great, there's a great connection that needs to yeah. be needs to be bridged. Great synergy. Let's actually do that meeting. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> super down. Let's close this one and then let's let's channel it. All right, we'll hop back on in three minutes. Absolutely. Thanks again, Dean. Appreciate your time, everyone. Go check out Steelhead. Uh, they're providing a lot of value to the industry. Yassine and Dean, thank you. We'll wrap it up here. Again, this was the, the Data Driven Podcast. Awesome. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, Yassine. Enjoy the weekend.